Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook Noble. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. I will be your host, Kathy Cook Noble. And if I sound a little bit different, that's because I changed my voice up for you a little bit today. But the raspy sound was in, so I went with that. Um, we are talking here on the Inspired Choices Network, uh, financially speaking, about finance topics that are easy to understand because in reality, finances are very easy and we don't have to be confused or upset or mystified by the finance world because we can certainly understand all these concepts. And that's what we've been doing the last few months. Um, in my day job, I'm a financial advisor and a bookkeeper, so I like to really help people understand what the numbers are and what their numbers are and how they under, how they can understand them themselves. And we get guests on every once in a while, and tonight we are super excited and be, because we have a really special guest on. His name is Paul Jenkins, and he and I actually have done some work together at the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital Foundation, and we've gotten to be friends, and I've learned so much about him, and he's very intriguing and done a lot of really cool things, especially in the world of philanthropy. So I'm super excited to introduce Paul. He's a strategic communicator, uh, major gifts in fundraising, elementary school educator, and event planning with proven team leading abilities in fast-paced, priority-competing environments. He has international multicultural work and educational experience in Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec, as well as Bosnia and South Korea. He was the owner and operator of the Royal Tree Beaver, Toronto's only pop-up restaurant serving authentic Canadian Chinese cuisine. So welcome, Paul. We're happy to have you. Thanks so much, Karen. How are you doing? Great, great. Um, so you have had a lot of really cool experiences. So if you want to just share, because, and the cool thing is, Inspired Choices Network is, uh, and we have a lot of listeners from around the world, and you've been to a lot of places around the world, which is really cool. So just maybe share with us on who you are and how you got to where you are right now. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll do my best, Kathy. And, you know, it, it's been a long, winding journey, so I don't think if I plotted out to be um, a fundraiser, let alone the executive director of the hospital I was born at for the fundraising arm of it, um, that I could have necessarily gotten here. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, – but but obviously it's really enjoyable with uh, all the different people we got to meet, including you, who – and I, I called you Karen, which I'm not sure why why I did that. So, Kathy, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um Walking a little bit back, I've been uh, I've been in this role for roughly five years um, in St. Thomas, um, and that's leading a small team of really tenacious fundraisers uh, in reaching out to the community to support uh, patient care at St. At St. Thomas Elgin General. So that might mean raising money to support equipment purchases. It might be money to support investments in infrastructure, um, and sometimes simply the training of frontline staff. Uh, so I know we're going to go into the campaign, so I'll, I'll kind of save some of the last the details about my current job uh, for a little bit later. Um, but before that, I was actually working in Toronto in uh, for Prostate Cancer Canada, which was uh, instrumental in launching Movember Canada off the ground. I did that for uh, a little over three years. Um, and I got into that by way of a graduate certificate in public relations from Centennial College. Uh, so, you know, you get, you get your classic uh, undergraduate degree that 
you know, educates you, creates a critical thinker, but doesn't necessarily get you to the job. Um, so that program, you know, dovetailed me into a role with a PR agency on uh, consumer PR, so it wasn't necessarily the right fit for me. But I had a chance to uh, work with Habitat for Humanity Toronto during that time. Um, and really the skills from being a communicator to being a fundraiser are almost 100% transferable. Uh, it's about storytelling. It's about, uh, you know, it's about sales. It's they're, they're sales jobs. I mean, that's uh, really fundamentally what it comes down to. So I was in Toronto for... Uh, close to seven, eight years uh, working in communications and fundraising. I did do, I love the fact that you plugged my pop-up restaurant, um, <laughs> and it was Canadian Canadian cuisine, not Canadian oh, Chinese cuisine. I, I have sorry. no capacity <laughs> for much Chinese Chinese cooking. Um, that uh, said, I did sure try to integrate... <laughs> yeah, sorry, but I did, I did, I did consciously try to integrate the the beautiful uh, multiculturalism of Canada uh, into the food I made. So just just to to clarify with all the listeners, my my specialty was butter chicken, so like a spicy Indian butter chicken uh, with waffles. So kind of you know chicken and waffles. Why well, I did uh, I did butter chicken and waffles. So that was kind of the the one. Uh, the the one thing I did, and and I know this is a financial, so I, I'll tell your listeners as well that um, the one industry certainly to maybe stay away from is you you work super hard in the food services business for you know maybe returns that are a little too marginal marginal for uh, the amount yeah. of work and and attention you put into it. Yeah. Um, that, but yeah, before Toronto, I'm I'm uh, you, Kathy. You want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. We'll um, tell us, you know, I know, um, I don't know where I got the, I must be hungry, the Canadian-Chinese connection. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right, though. The the restaurant and the food industry is one of the harder ones to really, it, it's harder to get financing for, and it's harder mm-hmm. to really get it going because it just requires so much work and so much overhead. But uh, I know you did it, and um, that's really cool. That's very cool. But yeah, before, yeah. so where, where'd you, how did you get, tell us a little bit about before that still where you're, you know, what you did before, but then how it leads you back around to right back into St. Thomas, Ontario. Cause you left there and went, you know, all around to these pretty cool places. And then you ended up right back where you started. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I left. I, I when I went away to school, I was 17, and you know it, it wasn't so much where I was applying to university as much as it was. I loved big cities. I loved the energy, what they looked like, uh, kind of what they stood for. So for the longest time, I was it was going to go to Toronto, and I ended up uh, doing my undergrad um, in Montreal. And quite honestly, at, certainly at that age, and even you know a decade later, when I was uh, in my early 30s, I wasn't necessarily to looking to come home as it is per se. Um, I enjoyed when I was living in Toronto, uh, the challenge of being successful there, the competition, quite honestly, of being successful in a, in a big city. I mean, uh, you know, I, I love Toronto, so it, not to dismiss it, but like the idea of that, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I think, uh, in a lot of ways it was, it was a little bit of a test, um, and a little bit of a challenge to, you know, can you set up shop? Can you develop community? Can you... Uh, be successful in your career um, in one of these big urban centers that are bringing together kind of, you know, the the hot commodities of the entire country. I mean, all all English Canadian roads kind of lead through Toronto, um, and you are bringing together, you know, a lot of the best educated, a lot of the top talent. Um, so that was that was super rewarding. So it was never, you know, necessarily looking um, to move home per se or to 
lead fundraising at the hospital. Um, but I did know, you know, I, it, it is my home community. My mother spent uh, her career on the healthcare side working here. Um, I'm connected, you know, kind of even at that point still really well. Um, and did learn about the opportunity about fundraising here uh, in St. Thomas. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't again, determined to come home necessarily, but I did apply for the position. It was a, a move out uh, where I would have been at Prostate Cancer Canada, but it would have been a move up. So that was uh, going for it. Um, but really, I just learned about the challenges and the opportunity of the position. Um, and and quite honestly, I couldn't say no. I remember sitting in the backyard uh, in Toronto. We lucky enough to have a backyard. Um, and with my wife, and, you know, we actually brought out big chart paper, pinned it to our fence, and, you know, kind of did the pros and cons about, well, what does life look like when we leave Toronto? What are the opportunities, certainly for her, um, from a, a professional standpoint as well? Um, but again, knowing... I had an opportunity to come in uh, to support the hospital where, you know, I, I say I was born, but my sister was born here, my nieces and nephews, um, and a lot of the people I care about this this uh, facility. I mean, obviously, it's more than that. It's about the people powering it. Um, but this facility has played a critical role uh, in the lives of the people I'm related to. So it was a matter where I knew about the opportunity uh, and then, you know, kind of gradually got more excited about it as I got a little bit closer to to earning the role. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm starting to see now, and we'll get into this a little bit when you start talking about the projects that have just wrapped up and some projects you're working on, but um, you actually, I think you're, part of your success is because you are a relationship builder. You're not just one that meets people and that's it. Like you actually build a relationship with them and just like you built a relationship with the hospital and the people in it. So I think that's part of maybe what drew you back is because you do have a relationship with the people that work there and people who are, are donors. And I, and I, I actually have the, the, the bonus part of it because anybody I get to interview, I don't see them on a regular basis and you, I actually have had to got a chance to work with and I get to see you fairly regularly. So I actually <laughs> see you interact. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but that'll be another <laughs> Well, I know, I know. I'm just trying to think there. You, you, I should tell everyone about the numerous committees you, you, you got volunteered for at the St. Thomas Elgin Jenner Hospital. The Executive Committee, the Finance Committee, the Policy and Bylaw Committee. Uh, oh, no, you're off the Nominations Committee, but you'll be back on that when you're the past president. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need, you need to be successful in my role, you need kind and generous folks like you, and I'm not saying that just because you're my boss. Um, but you really do need people that are dedicated to putting that time, uh, their energy, their talents um, to drive forward any nonprofit. I mean, it, it's mission critical with what you do. I mean, the board that you sit on and that you're going to be the president of uh, in a couple months, I mean, you drive the strategy, um, you drive the direction of the organization, and really, quite honestly, I'm there to execute it. Um, but yeah, and and going back to your relationship piece, I mean, again, I say it's a, it, it's a sales position, and sales is a relationship um, yeah. where relationships are the be all and end all. And I think it would have been really difficult to come in to do this job in, you know, Stratford, which is a town similar size to ours, an hour north. I think it would have been different, where you know you didn't necessarily have that connection, where hey, I, I played hockey with you, or you know, we we went to elementary school together, or. You know, we were part of the Cub Scouts, um, or in my particular case, hey, your dad taught me geography, or, 
you know, your mom was in the room when I was born. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those sort of incidental, I don't know, I'm not sure, but like, you know, the, the, a lot of those things had a, made a meaningful difference. And yeah. I think for me, what I, what I learned when I was working with the, the public relations agency, um, I needed in my career to have a meaningful connection to what I was trying to do. I, mean, I was doing consumer PR for laptops, um, which I had no no interest topically. Um, you know, it was it was just a lot more difficult. It was a lot more. You know, you go in and you're almost kind of putting in your nine to five. My job my job's simply not a nine to five anymore. Um, I guess I made it no. a little bit that, but just kind of some of the expectations about how and what you did. But you know, knowing really knowing the worth and the value that the hospital played in the community was critical. And then it, it did help out. You know knowing a few people that, hey, yeah, you were my teacher or, you know, you worked with uh, my sister at McDonald's, whatever it was. So yeah. um, relationship, relationships are the be-all and end-all of philanthropy. Oh, for sure. And and for you, and I've had the opportunity to work on a bunch of different uh, charity boards, but when I when I watch you as the executive director, you're one of the few who's really good at, uh, you've got a very good memory and you're good at remembering who people are and how you know them and the way you put it together. Uh, I think sometimes you just do it on the fly, but you just are so convincing. I'm thinking you really do know them. But <laughs> hey, wait a second. Don't tell my fellow, no, don't tell your fellow board members. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. You're still remembering their names, right? No, they're, yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, but you but are no, but all kidding. You are all kidding aside. You actually have a very good memory and you do genuinely build a relationship and that's when you say about the sales part of it, there's a huge difference between somebody who's selling you something, you can feel the difference between somebody who's actually listening and building a relationship with you. Don't you think? Like, you can tell the difference with those people, too. I, I, I'd like to think so. And I, I mean, I, I, I hope so as well because I legitimately do believe in it. I, I, the other sort of anecdote that where I think about how I kind of what my role is, is I'm a pivot. So, you know, here here's here's. You, you want this, you know, you're a business and you want to kind of have this outcome. It might not be be me that makes that happen, but just in terms of my connections and relationships being like, okay, well, you know, Jimmy, this is exactly who you need to talk to, James, right yeah. over here. Um, and, and that's quite honestly, that, that's where I found value for some of my business partners that they can look to me and say, hey, you want to what? Uh, you're someone that's going to be good for networking, good for business development. And I mean, you were at the business business uh, networking event that we hosted the other day, and that that was kind of yep. a key message that we wanted to say that you know, from a business perspective specifically, partnering with the hospital, it can be good for your bottom line. Absolutely, and we are going to, with that, take our first break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We'll get more into what you do um, at the hospital on a daily basis and how you tackle these great big projects because there's some huge projects with big numbers that you deal with. So you are listening to the to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. When we return, we're going to continue to talk about philanthropy and the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital with Paul Jenkins. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, 
which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network, and today we're talking about philanthropy, and we're talking with Paul Jenkins, who's the Executive Director of the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital in Ontario, Canada, for all of our, our American and uh, outside of the rest of the world listeners, and we're happy to have you call in or log into the chat room if you have questions for Paul. We'd love to hear from you, um, and the stuff that we're talking about today whether you're in Canada or whether you're in the United States, a lot of the concepts are the exact same. There's a lot of charities and fundraising activities that are happening around the world at all times. And Paul's going to share some insights with us on how he navigates through all the different charities that you're competing with for dollars and all the different events that come up, that pop up out of the blue where you have GoFundMe sites or, or different charity events that are happening right in the middle of something, maybe a capital campaign going on at the hospital, because that happens every once in a while. And we're going to ask Paul about that, because I know he just finished a, uh, a very big and very successful capital campaign. So, Paul, when you, because you are working in a not-for-profit organization, what do you do about um, when you're talking to people about fundraising and so forth? And you know that there's a lot of other charities out there asking for the same dollars from the same people. How do you handle their conversation with you when they say well I've already you know so and so was in and asking for their organization and and such and such happened and you know they'd asked me to give money too so you're, you've got to be dealing with people who are getting asked on multiple occasions so how do you how do you handle that and what kind of conversation takes place around that that that's a, a fantastic question I think it kind of speaks to the idea that there's a little bit of magic to fundraising that, you know, as a quote-unquote professional fundraiser, I have access to that that lay people don't necessarily. Um, and I'm not sure if it's a reassurance to your listeners or not that that's simply not the case. I think the reality is is that, uh, you know, hearing the word no um, or being turned down or being declined or being like, hey, thanks, you know, maybe I'll think about it, uh, is, is really... 99% about what happens in fundraising. A lot of the times, uh, you're not necessarily successful in in closing the gift, or even quite honestly getting to the point where where that ask um, could actually even taken place. Um, and and really, like to to build beyond that, because uh, we do compete. So again, just for context, for some of the the listeners, or we're in St. Thomas, Ontario, which is about 50,000 people. 
uh, in Elgin County, which is another 50,000 people. So there's about 100,000 people in our catchment area. But we're really close to Toronto, uh, you know, five-plus million people, London, Ontario, another half-million people there. Um, and each of these communities uh, has children's hospitals, have large research facilities, have uh, teaching hospitals. Um, so, I mean, we could we compete, you know, again, compete, I'll use the term with, a, with an asterisk, we compete with organizations of all shapes or, and sizes. Um, from and not certainly just in healthcare alone, we compete with other national organizations with local chapters here as well. Um, and obviously, you need to be aware of where that is. Uh, but what I found successful, specific to our campaign, was really we tried to build a sense of community ownership of, uh, in our particular case, building a, a hospital expansion. Um, and really, we articulated it as we wanted people to make an investment in themselves. So, you know, you're going to be using, this is a facility that you want there for your family and friends during each visit that they go to, that they have to use the hospital at every stage of life and as close to home as possible. And ultimately, as much as you might want that for the other, that that's an investment that you might make that you could benefit from as well. And I mean, no one wants to use the hospital. No one wants to probably even think about needing to use the hospital. But the reality is um, we're all probably going to be in here at one point, uh, potentially a couple points, potentially for, you know, a long while. So it's really it was really trying to do that from a storytelling perspective, that there is a role of local donors to support the philanthrop philanthropic capacity, excuse me, of healthcare in our community. And to really ensure that that happens, yeah, you could support sick kids in Toronto. You could support Princess Margaret in Toronto. You could support the London Health Sciences Foundation in London. But if you wanted a new mammography unit at the St. that, you know, for your family and friends, that's supporting St. Thomas. If you wanted, you know, a, a really comfortable cancer unit for your, your family or friends that are undergoing treatment, Again, you can support St. Thomas Elk in general. So it was a little bit of mind share. We had to do, you know, there was a communication strategy deployed where, you know, we came up with the slogan, it's our hospital, uh, again, trying to create that ownership stake um, and really kind of drive home the message that there is a role for local community support in healthcare. I also don't want to pretend that I did everything. I know you've been very generous in your praise, Kathy, but the reality is, is we, I, I was able to inherit a situation where people, we're really determined, and I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear, hell bent on uh, you know supporting, growing healthcare, ensuring that the hospital's there for for the future, for their for healthcare, obviously, but also from a business development standpoint. Um, and so there was a lot of passion, a lot of work that had already been done that I inherited. So you know, yeah, yeah, you certainly have to cut through the clutter. I don't think when I got here in the community, there was much mind share to say, hey, you know, you want to support the fight against cancer. Well, you know, you might twig on the Canadian Cancer uh, Society, you might twig on uh, the Canadian or CBCF or if you're in the, the States, the Susan Coleman Foundation for Breast Cancer or C Susan G. Coleman uh, Foundation. Um, but you might not always think about your local hospital and that local hospital that's doing, you know, the mammography, uh, the, the mammals for the women in, in your lives or the men, quite honestly. Um, and so we, we, we kind of had to do a little bit of storytelling and kind of get people over that edge so that they knew that, hey, you want to want, I do want this impact, and I can have that this impact by, by investing as close to home as possible. Um, 
and competing is a tough word because you want a regionally regional perspective. I mean, we're a high volume community hospital, and uh, I'm going to plug it. We have the number one ER wait times in the province of Ontario, and have had so for six years. We are a, a darn high performing facility. We're increasingly a regional player. I'm super proud of what our hospitals accomplished, and we have a role model for uh, pretty much every other facility uh, in the province. And if you know. Toronto and the government there will open their eyes a little bit wider. They could see that there's a lot of lessons to be learned uh, here. But at the same point, Kathy, and you can appreciate this, the London, London's yeah. hospitals and London system hospitals, they're part of our system. Uh, Toronto, Toronto yeah. hospitals, you know, if it, if it hits the fan, I mean, those, the Toronto hospitals, those are our hospitals. Those are the ones that, you know, if it's, it's either a really rare disease or if it's a really tragic accident, you're not going to be coming to St. Thomas. Um, yeah. So there's roles to play. So when I, when we talk about competing, I think I think it's just you know understanding kind of what impact you want want to have. And as a donor, you know that's tough to navigate. So from our role, we just you know kind of try to put that out there that if you want this new facility, the government mandates, and this is on Ontario specific, but if the government mandates 10% of construction costs and 100% of equipment costs have to come from the community. Uh, that's the only infrastructure project of its kind uh, that we fund in Ontario that has that component that the, that they leverage uh, the, the the want of health care into actual donor dollars towards the cause. And that's really important because for the American listeners, there's a perception out there that health care is free in Canada. And there is certainly not the user pace situation that ever, most countries outside of Canada have, especially in the U.S. But it's not, health care is not 100% funded or 100% free in that respect in Canada. And that's why I'm glad you mentioned that about the requirements that you are, the, the community is required to raise certain amounts of funds in order to get this project even started. So when we, and we're going to talk about your big project that you just finished, and I know you had a pretty amazing team of fundraising people on that with you, but uh, that, that particular project, is a lot, a huge endeavor, a lot of money, a lot of work. It was years of planning, and it's not free in Canada to just say the hospital's going to expand and the government pays for it. That's not how it works. So maybe let's talk about the new, the new wing, I guess we'll call it, of the yeah, hospital, sure. but the old project that you did. So how did that whole project come together? Because that is, that is a big capital campaign, and that doesn't come along every every year. So how does that project come together? Wow, um, I I I, <laughs> I came in a little bit to the past uh, after it started. No, it was the project. So the project in question that Kathy's referring to is the great expansion of the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital Foundation, or at least that's the marketing uh, name we applied to it. Um, and you know, you hear some people tell stories that have been around long enough. That project was actually in the works since 1997. Uh, so at that point, I was actually still in high school in St. Thomas um, before leaving. Uh, but as part of that and going, going kind of connecting towards the philanthropic capacity or, or the, the ability or the, the requirement that the community actually supports um, or is able to support a project, when, when they were working with um, the Ministry of Health in Ontario to have this project approved, uh, what they had, what the, the foundation itself. So there's, so the hospital is its own distinct organization. Just to, for clarification, and the foundation, uh, we are our own distinct organization. Um, but the foundation had to say to, had to be able to say with confidence and with, and with certain uh, 
quantifiable measures that we had the capacity to support what at that time was the largest fundraising campaign in our community's history um, and the largest investment in healthcare in our community since uh, the hospital was built in 1954. Um, so really, it's not just, hey, you know, after the fact, we've approved this, now you got to go raise your money. No, the, the ability to raise that money has to be almost determined beforehand, which is really with a community like ours kind of put us behind the eight ball because this campaign was coming about uh, just as, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the Great Recession, uh, if that's its name, was was kind of taking taking a hold of the local economy or the regional economy or quite honestly the worldwide economy at that point. Um, so we lost some important manufacturing jobs. We lost uh, some of the real uh, industry uh, fundraising leaders in our community just at the time when we were trying to break into the community to say, hey, we need your support. Um, so it was a real challenge, I know, certainly setting up the campaign uh, in the first place in that environment where, you know, what are the resources we actually do have uh, to fund a project of this size, of its kind? Um, and, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was challenging being able to kind of create a new path. So, you know, when this project was originally um, set up, hey, we're going to raise the money and we're going to move forward by, you know, tapping into Ford. We're going to raise money by now tapping into another company called Timken. Well, you know, those companies, by the time we had to actually go out and raise the money, uh, they didn't exist. Well, I mean, they, I mean, Ford, Ford Canada still exists, but there was no, uh, there was no uh, automotive plant here. Timken still exists in, in Ohio um, and has, has some limited presence in Canada as well, but, it, but has none in St. Thomas. Um, and they were really, uh, certainly if you look at the United Way locally here, they were a catalyst to successful fundraising. And so we were kind of setting up shop, um, trying to make hay, fundraising hay during a time where it was really kind of bleak. It was a little bit difficult. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, the doubt within the community whether we could do it or not. And And I think that's not uncommon with big projects like that. It's not, I don't know any big project, you know, private or public or not-for-profit that just went off without any trouble at all like they, they just start out and everybody just has money being thrown at them and it gets just gets done so don't you find that when it was a little bit harder to get going with it but once you got the momentum going on that particular fundraising event it seemed to go to the outside world it seemed to flow very nicely and and it came along pretty pretty smoothly but there was a lot of hours that you and your team put into talking to people and a lot of different people you talked to and a lot of different events that you ran. It's not the the fundraising part of this isn't just about asking somebody to give you money. It's also about running events and raising money that way too, isn't it? Yeah, and a hundred percent. I mean events events, you know, if we get to have a chance to chat a little bit further about them, I mean they, they, in fact, I, I mean, I, unless the event was going to accomplish something else besides just raise money, I don't know if I'd necessarily do that. Um, you want, like, an event should be a relationship builder. An event should be time to tell your impact story of your charity. Um, and then finally, an event should be about raising money. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, the whole, the whole gamut. If you look at the, look at an organization ten times our size, twenty times our size, fifty times our size. Quite honestly, they're not doing anything necessarily different they just have more resources to do either more of it maybe slightly more polished uh than we would be putting out at a you know a five staff person uh community foundation supporting a local hospital um 
so you know you you look to everywhere to to find that money but events in particular i mean you got to you got to you got to find out well what are you going to get out of this event besides money because events are in a lot of ways are really inefficient ways to to drive the dollars and quite honestly that's not what drove the dollars for our campaign it was major gifts it was businesses that felt they had a corporate social responsibility uh to support a project like this. Um, it was individuals who understood that from an economic perspective, a great great healthcare in your community is a driver. It brings business in. Then you have other ones that said, you want to what? This hospital saved my mom's life or my dad's life or, or kept uh, my child safe when she was at her most vulnerable. Um, so you have people supporting there, but it was really... Uh, it was these larger mandates. It was really, it was really, uh, a lot of the support came from a fil- from the philanthropic, you know, love of humanity uh, support um, for healthcare for families and friends that you know would use the hospital. Paul, we're gonna we gotta take our second break, but that's actually gonna lead into my next question. When we come back, I want to get your philosophy on when people when you talk to people what their philosophy on donating is and how philanthropy plays into what their their planning is. So everybody has different reasons for giving, I know, but when we come back, maybe you can share with what you learned from people and what their reasons for giving. So we are listening to Financially Speaking with myself, Kathy Cook-Noble, on the Inspired Choices Network. When we return, we will continue to discuss philanthropy with Paul Jenkins, the Executive Director from the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital. We will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kathy Cook-Noble on the Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking about philanthropy with our special guest, Paul Jenkins from the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital. Before we went to break, we were just talking about what goes into a capital campaign, a big capital fundraising campaign, whether it's the hospital or any other charity that you're you're working with. There's a lot of work, a lot of volunteers, and a strong team of fundraisers that I know Paul worked with, and that's helped make the success that the hospitals had. Um, There's a lot of events that were run, as well as, like Paul was saying, the, a bulk of the success came from from philanthropy of people in the community and people who used to be in the community and, and uh, just general supporting of the event and the campaign. 
So before we went to break, I was going to ask Paul what philosophy people have that you talk to. So when you talk, you go out and you meet a whole lot of different people. Some give, some don't. Um, some have other people they refer you to to go give. <laughs> um, but what's their general philosophy? That have, did you find any particular theme that people had? Like it was specifically the hospital or they had a personal connection to the hospital for some reason or I mean it could be a tax write-off I mean this is a finance show that 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 does happen there is some tax advantages to the philanthropy um yeah but uh, what was the general consensus did people have their own philosophy for giving was it you know did they feel pressure I, I know they wouldn't have felt pressure from you I know they would have might maybe from the campaign um mm-hmm. fundraising chair <laughs> but uh would they have what were the general reasons you found people give and their philosophy on philanthropy? I'm not, yeah, I'll, I'll hone in on the campaign in particular because I think it, it changed a little bit as with where we were um, from a fundraising success standpoint in terms of when people got in and on board. I think there was some support initially just to, you know, for people who were kind of determined come hell or high water, this project is getting off the ground and I'm going to pony up my gift right away. Um, so I think there was a matter of a sense of ownership uh, right away from some of the key people around it. Um, I can, I mean, there's no, no reason I can't share names because they could find this all online. But I mean, Magna International, um, which hopefully a lot of your your listeners would would know, um, they run oh, two sure. large uh, plants uh, in St. Thomas, one in the south of London, which is pretty still pretty much a catchment area for our hospital as well. And, and and their transaction, I mean, you know, I could go back up and bring in the emails, but it was pretty simple. It was, you know, if if something happens, emergency, we're going to your hospital. That's that's where they go. This is the facility that they're going to use. Um, they also recognize that they have been in town for 30-plus years, and they wanted to be simply a good corporate citizen. I know that's kind of, you know, that it, it, the, kind of the timely phrase, you know, we all want a CSR program, but it was really simple with Magnum. That, that, that's what they wanted. We're in this community. We're committed to this community. Our, the people that work at our plants uh, and their families depend on your hospital. So even as much as, you know, it's not even that charity in that sense, then it's just simply an investment in, in their employees. Um, so it was really straightforward with, you know, a lot of businesses where they understood that, this is good for their employees. And some other businesses, you know, if you think about um, that are really aligned, some home builders, uh, where having a great hospital um, is attractive for business. It's attractive for businesses to set up here. But when, with the home builders in particular, uh, people that are moving here for the most part are, are well, they don't have the downsides if they're selling their Toronto house to come here. They could actually probably get bigger and, and cut their costs by about 75%. Um, that was my joke, Kathy. No. I know. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> but but you know, so so but like so with that um and knowing that you know if you're going to move to a community, you can move to a community that hey, you want to what? We can move to this one. They've got the number 1 ER wait times in the province. They have a brand new emergency department, brand new surgical suites, permanent home for our mental health program, uh, a new sterile processing department to support the hospital. They're looking to redevelop their lab, purchase an MRI, brand new CT scanner. I mean, that's compelling. That's going to ideally, you know, make the difference about bringing people to our community, investing in our community, living in our community, spending in our community. Um, so there, were, so there were some businesses, some individuals even, uh, that understood and appreciated that investing in the hospital is really, in a lot of ways, investing in the broader 
broader community. Um, I think when I got a little bit further along and kind of success was imminent rather than success was something we were kind of scratching and scratching, excuse me, and clawing for, uh, people wanted to get in front of the wave and, and ride along with it or, uh, join the bandwagon. Um, and that, that's fantastic. You, you can be cynical all you want, but quite honestly, that's, uh, you know, putting your dollars, dollars, uh, in, in in, in front of yourself and, and creating the impact you want. So, you know, you had people that would come to it in all sorts of ways. I mean, it's healthcare, right? So it's super personal. Um, you might have had yeah. the best experience with a physician. You might have had, like, really tragic, life-altering, crummy days. Um, but still, the compassion and the empathy and the care that you received at our hospital was transformational during those times because it could sometimes can be. I mean, like, you know, I, we're a small enough community where I, I have to be a little bit cautious when I walk around the hospital and I see people because, I mean, you're here. And I'm getting a little yeah. bit older than, you know, being in the, the, the having baby stage. But, you know, if I see a lot of my peers, you know, they're either in and it's the greatest day ever because they're having a kid or, you know, mom's up, up, on, up on the floor or, or grandma's over in chemo. And I mean, quite honestly, I've had that as well. Like, my, 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 yeah. I'm not giving away any patient secrets here, but you know, this is the place when it comes down to why did I make my gift? Why did you make your gift, Kathy? Because you're a donor to our organization. Yeah. Um, and, and it's cause you know what? I want, I want it there. Like my grandma's going to get sick and is going to need the hospital. And I want the best damn hospital there is possible in St. Thomas. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, and so what, did you have any, Go ahead. No, I'm but, interrupting. I'm getting in the way of your radio. Show no, no, that's okay. No, that's okay. I was, uh, I was just going to ask you when you're when you're talking with people, was there any big surprise that in a conversation that you'd have with them about the hospital that that you discovered, whether it was them donating money, not donating money, or a story about the hospital or anything, was there any big surprise with uh, to you that when you're talking to somebody, you're just kind of surprised that they said something or or even an amount that they gave were you surprised that they gave what they gave or i mean i'm sure there were surprises that some people who didn't donate but what were there any big yeah surprises yeah and i'm not i don't we're not going to focus on those today i think every no. so often you know you, you had a gift and this sounds awful because it, it never just walked in the door but you know you kind of had a gift that walked in the door um, yeah. That you know you weren't necessarily soliciting. You weren't you know focused on building that relationship per se. Yeah. Um, and you've had some of those where you know you, you think about either the individual. I'm actually in my mind I'm thinking more civic organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the Rotarians, the the Optimists, um, whoever, whatever whatever group it is. Um, and yeah, you're you're blown away sometimes by the magnitude of the support. So you know the actual dollar dollar value. Um, you're blown away that you know they're they're going out of their way to reach out to you. Um, but I don't know. And and quite honestly, so yeah, I mean it sounds kind of like I'm playing lip service, but it, it, they're all they're all rewarding in that same sense. It's always a bit of a surprise. Um, when it com- when it comes to you know whether they walk in the door when you get to the point where being like you know someone who's really thought about it and really you know I I've, I've gotten to the point where I've decided what my gift's going to be towards that campaign and you can t- and I mean it's it's super invigorating for someone like me because you know they've thought about it and they've thought about the cause they've thought about the impact they want to have 
Um, and that's it. I think, I think you know, I, I'm going to be the talking head here. I might be the face of the foundation in the community, the hospital at times as well. But I'm ultimately a conduit for someone that wants to have an impact on patient care. I'm, you know, yeah. like irrelevant when it really comes to that in the sense that I'm, you know, you should be able to really quite honestly change me in and out for someone else that could do do the role. Please don't do that. I like my job. But <laughs> we but we but we're we're, con, we're conduits for the good. And I think when people and again, when I say people, I mean businesses, civic organizations, individuals grew a little bit more of trust in terms of, hey, the foundation, the St. Thomas Elgin General Hospital Foundation can help me have the impact I want. When that kind of slow, maybe plotting process a year, two years uh, to get to that point where, you know, we want in, we, we, we believe in it, it's exciting, it's timely, we understand the reason, we understand that if we don't do that construction costs, we don't do those, those equipment costs, and we have a role to play, I mean, that was that was invigorating, but that was a slow process um and it took a lot of a lot of conversations it took heck paid advertising earned media uh me showing up at or one of my team members showing up to you know the upteenth networking events it it um you know it it happened because we were there and we ingrained ourselves as part of uh the community and never shut up about the importance of supporting the hospital yeah and it did seem like you were everywhere at times, and I just thought maybe you were one of three Paul Jenkins out there because <laughs> you really did seem to be everywhere. And and I have to disagree a tiny bit with you on it, your role being something that you could uh, have somebody else slide into because I think it's very, very hard. And I could tell you from other organizations and different charities on different levels where you get the executive director and you replace the executive director with somebody else, and it does not have the same feel or flow or culture. So I think that you should stay there for a while. <laughs> All right, good. Well, my culture is relentless right. optimism. So I mean, you know, it, it, we're yeah. we're a positive space, and and yeah, exactly. you know, we don't have we don't have the same stresses. Like I mean, we're supporting a hospital. Like as a healthcare professional, um, that those are yeah. stressful jobs. Like th- those are those are hard hard things to do. And and if we can, you know, make their experience better you know, we're all about it, so. Exactly. What what about advice to anybody listening that's into fundraising and maybe not the grand scheme of the many, you know, the multiple millions of dollars that it takes to build a hospital building, but uh, what, what advice would you give to anybody on fundraising and any secrets or fundamentals that they should should keep an eye on or follow? You know, I'll, I'll go back to events because, I mean, I, I, I know I was kind of casual in my dismissal of what, events are and how they work and you know what you need to find but i mean if you're doing an event and and it it oftentimes it's a way to build that sense of community kind of create that rallying around position which is which is really important obviously a lot of organizations the dollars uh need to flow um but i would start off and i i say this so a couple years back um and, and you were part of this too kathy uh we did something called the world tubing championships um, yeah. You might not have heard of the, or the the listeners might not have heard of the World Tubing Championships, but really, I created <laughs> not an quite event the Olympics that, yet. Yeah. Hey, hey, and when we're when we say tubing, not quite. This is on on a tube going down a hill in the winter on snow. Um, there's no skill whatsoever the, besides gravity. So if you can control gravity, that that changes things. 
um, but we created the trappings of uh, our, our, a mini Olympics. We had fireworks, we had opening ceremonies, we had uh, fire eaters. Um, so we put on this grand event. Um, but the lesson of that was it was an event I wanted to do. And it was an event I wanted to go to. Um, and I felt it would be really compelling for my peers and, you know, kids, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, young families. Uh, maybe mom and dad want to have a little bit of fun and send the kids away after. Um, but really it was, it was you know, so that so I'm, I'm getting a bit rambly because I, but the, the key would be create, when you're going to create an event, uh, do what you want to do. I mean, don't do a run because yeah. everyone thinks you should do a run. And I mean, when you think about doing what you're going to do, I mentioned Movember. I mean, those guys literally were sitting around a table saying, we want to grow mustaches. We need to justify that Ooh. to our partners. So let's raise some money. And I mean, half a billion <laughs> USD later, I mean, come on, that that's absolutely incredible. That's huge. Uh, locally yeah. here, you know, it, it's perch fry season which is a delicious time of year on the North shore of Lake Erie. Um, so, you know, and, and I, I've got, I'm literally in my office, I'm looking at two different tickets for perch fries I've got coming up over the next two weeks. Um, <laughs> nice. so, so that clearly really targets someone and, and it interests me here, but really find out, do what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get stuck in kind of, Oh, this is what fundraising is. And this is what you have to do, or it has to be, a gala or it has to be i mean the world tubing championships no it can be absolutely yeah. anything you just want to have people rallying around when i i not to, pl- to plug another charity although this is an amazing charity so common ground cooperative in toronto ontario empowers adults with developmental disabilities uh to own and operate their own small businesses if you're in toronto and you're listening um surrey house which is right next to the women's hospital uh, at Queen and, or at, excuse me, at college and university, they have a coffee shed. So it's, and they make some delicious espresso. Um, and, you, you know, uh, they, fo- they support folks with Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, uh, other intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, but anyways, so I sat on that board for a couple of years. Love the organization. It was so amazing. But also at that time, um, and this actually connects back to my Royal Tree Beaver Canadian Canadian cuisine, I was really into food. So I went and uh, I organized an event. What did I want to do? I wanted to do uh, have a have a cooking competition. So I organized something called Competition Backyard Barbecue. The website still might be up, cbbbq.com. Um, and, you know, people came in. They, they had to cook their own food. I think we raised about $2,500 each time. Um, I had a great party, uh, supported the charity, um, that I wanted to support and did it on my own terms. And I loved it. And people came and we did it a second time. And, you know, my landlord wasn't really pleased that I was renting a porta potty to put on front, uh, lawn of <laughs> the, the apartment I was renting, but you know, I didn't tell him. Uh, so that was okay. Um, but it was awesome. And I, and I enjoyed it and I still talk about it and people, you know, even despite me of moving 200 kilometers southwest of where I was living, are you going to do it again? Um, so I, I think really, really find something that you're passionate about. If you know you want to support your cause, figure out something that's that that people know. I mean, you don't want to hold an event and have no one show up too. So maybe, maybe no. make it a little bit more expansive than your own very particular, particular interests. Um, but make sure it's something that excites you that you can really feel gung-ho and get behind. And I'll make one one other point related to that. I, I talked about going back about 
you know, events can have to be about more than raising money. Um, and my, my competition backyard barbecue is a perfect example of that. It probably costs me, not me, sorry, but if you think about all the resources that went in, I could have taken all those resources and made a donation greater than the donation I made after doing the event. Um, so in the sense that you know, maybe it cost me three thousand or cost five thousand five hundred dollars to raise twenty five hundred. There's that three thousand. You know you could have just that right away. Right. But then you wouldn't have had a hundred people right. know now more about the organization. You wouldn't have had the adults with developmental disabilities running their own uh, uh, bakeries and running their own coffee sheds to be able to participate in that event as competitors. You wouldn't have had. Right. Um, you know, the potential next MP or member of parliament um, attend the event because, you know, it was something that they do. So, you know, it, it, I, I feel like I'm a little, giving a little bit of conflicted advice, but if you know the cause you want to support, you know how you want to support it, you know what you want to do, then do it and, yeah. and do it do it with passion because there's no right or wrong in, in fundraising for the most part. Um, be a good human being, know, know where you want to have that impact and, and be tenacious and relentless in moving towards that goal. So we have about 30 seconds left for you, Paul. What what are you do, working on now? What's the next big plan? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm <laughs> as soon as I'm done this call here, I'm going to run to the color printer, go get some mock drafts of some tickets and then I, we talked a lot about events and then I'm actually going to go to an event committee uh tonight and we're looking to do something on Father's Day. So if you're in St. Thomas, on Father's Day and looking to do something emotionally impactful, uh, come take part in Summerfest. Um, we're also doing, uh, we're in the midst of doing our strategic plan. I mean, a few of the things that kind of fell off the radar uh, as we were in the midst of that big, large capital campaign um, are coming back to the surface. But you want to know what? No, we're out in the fundraising hustings every day trying to solicit support for our hospital. Uh, we're going back to people that supported the campaign. Uh, we're reaching out to businesses that, uh, either didn't have the opportunity or inclination at that time. Um, and, you know, we're tapping into volunteers like you who were gullible enough to, uh, to you know, to, to sign on to these really labor-intensive volunteer positions. I'll plug Kathy as well. Kathy uh, can put in upwards of 20 hours a week at the hospital foundation. Oh, Not all the time. I don't want to get you wrong. Um, but between events, uh, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, uh, Paul, I got you, eight you, you, seconds left. I got eight seconds to to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, but I hate to cut <laughs> you off. Thank you so much no. for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making the choices that bring you all that you desire.